Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Welcome to the first HR Uprising podcast of 2022. Well, officially, it's the first after our best bits episode from last week, which I really hope you enjoyed. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to kick off the new year with a returning guest who is always brilliant to talk to. Uh, Mervyn Dinan is joining us this week and we're going to talk about the great resignation, whether or not it's real or not, um, and what that means for 2022 in terms of talent management. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast and this week I'm really delighted to have a return guest, uh, one of our earliest guests and I'm really pleased he's um, offered to come back and talk to us about this concept of the great resignation. Is it real? Is it hype? Um, So I'm joined today by Mervyn Dinan to get his thoughts on this subject. Hi Mervyn. Good afternoon and it's a pleasure to be here Lucinda. Thank you so much for coming back. I was really um, pleased when you offered, when you reached out on LinkedIn and said, have you got anyone to talk about this? Because I put this out and said, does anyone have an opinion who wants to come and talk about this topic? You know, I did a survey out there in, on LinkedIn to say, is this real or is it just hype? People seem to perceive that it was real. That was what the information uh, that came over through, through my scientific LinkedIn survey. But obviously you do lots of research. So I was really pleased when you offered to come on and talk. And perhaps you can give a bit of perspective on the topic. Interestingly, I did a few weeks before you another very scientific LinkedIn survey. Um, I was just saying, um, I suppose, more to the talent acquisition community. um, Are you experiencing an increased number of resignations? And and it came through loud and clear uh, that they were. So it's kind of I had I thought it was all hype. uh, And then I realized, well, there's something a little bit more. But um, as as we, as with all these things, when there's a trend, it's how you interpret the reasons and how you interpret kind of, uh, I suppose what 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 the end game will be. So both of our experiences, uh, you know, anecdotal experiences, are that people are finding there's more resignations out there, and we're talking at the end of 2021. This is going out early 2022. Um, and actually be interesting to see whether that makes a difference or not. Lots of people make decisions about careers and things, don't they, in January. So uh, what sort of reasons came through from your research? I think, uh, I suppose there's a number of reasons. Um, the, the, the whole great resignation, which in fact was, a, uh, it was an American academic uh, that co- first coined this expression earlier in 2021 as what he uh, perceived was going to happen later in the year. 
um, and people have jumped on it. Now, I would uh, um, go to my notes and see what his name was, um, but I'll do that whilst I talk so you don't. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll find out where it was originated. Yes. Um, and I think that I suppose there's three or four things. Firstly, it, it was US driven. So there was one month where the number of people quitting jobs and changing jobs was 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 very high in the US. Uh, the UK, it, it wasn't as high, but it was beginning to increase. And I think it's important uh, to point out that, that there were other factors than people just thinking they've had enough. And so I'll start with the other factors. Um, in the UK, it kind of coincided with the end of furlough. And I think a lot of people, uh, particularly those who, who weren't fur furloughed, um, don't realise that a lot of the furloughing within travel, leisure, hospitality and those kind of sectors, people were furloughed on 70 percent of their salaries. Uh, if you look at something like the airline industry, the hospitality industry, people don't live off of 70 percent of their salaries. They, they live off of their full pay, their, their commission, their, if, if, if it's airlines, flight pay, if it's, it's tips, hospitality. Um, and so the, 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 they were able to take second jobs. And quite a few did, uh, supermarkets, delivery, kind of um, mm -hmm. do, doing different things. Um, you also had a lot of self-employed people, um, uh, actors and artisans. I, mm -hmm. uh, my son is an unemployed actor. So uh, they also, there was no work. So they, whilst they had self-employed um, furlough effect, effectively the size grant, they also needed to take on work. Um, and so what was happening is at the end, as this was being withdrawn, a lot of people were, were quitting those second jobs. OK. Now, some quit their first jobs because they actually preferred like the, second the second one. Job. Yes. But in the main, it was people uh, there was an element, certainly in the UK, of people quitting jobs at the end of furlough, second jobs that, 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 that they had. So that kind of would have inflated the figure a little bit. Um, I think in the main that, that, that you've got pent up demand and so and that's demand to resign. So you it's been a very, very I won't use the word unprecedented, um, but it's been a very, very strange couple of years. Um, something that, 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 that none of us could have predicted or really knew what what to do. And a lot of people at different stages of their life um, have uh, kind of, I suppose, realigned what they want from life, how they want to live. Um, it's, you know, I mean, certainly as a, a, a talking on behalf of slightly older, married, settled, um, the, the conversation I hear all the time is about, oh, we've really changed, yeah, you know, in lockdown, we're seeing things differently. This is what we want. This is what's important to us now. Um, and I think that uh, certainly, I suppose, people with less experience, I won't bring age into it, also have seen what's been going on uh, during the pandemic as a chance to maybe uh, focus on what it is that gives them the most pleasure. Um, so I think there's been a, a personal realignment of how we want to live our lives. And you will find that within the figures quitting, certainly over the last three, four months, there are people who are doing it because they want a different kind of lifestyle. They don't want the pressure. Um, they want to move away, work somewhere different locationally or move into maybe a different sector. Um, they might be uh, people who are working full-time office-based job, but they actually have a, a hobby that, that they can monetize and they would prefer to do that. Um, there is something which I think is stronger in the US than here, but this early retirement. 
not so much early retirement, but people who are working on past the, their retirement or, or their, I suppose their, their pension age, because retirement is, is a journey. It's not a destination. It's a state of mind. And um, this kind of once once you're 60 or 65, or obviously it's not 60 anymore for anybody, um, you, you just stop working is, is, I suppose, quite an arcane kind of uh, approach. Um, and so, but I think people, there are people who've realised they are in a position to to ease off a bit uh, and to maybe take some form of early retirement so they can uh, take up a hobby, they can travel, they can do different things and work possibly on a freelance interim basis. Um, so I think that, you know, a, a number of things were coming together at the same time. And it all came together in September because furlough was ending and pretty much all the restrictions were lifted. And I think it was the time people felt that they could do something. Um, there are certain other things as well. I've seen lots of different pieces of research uh, around things like burnout, uh, people feeling burnt out, people feeling that, um, uh, interestingly, uh, one of the things that I saw was to do with, with leaders were not feeling the pain it was a kind of there was a, a different I suppose levels of uh, within the organization people were doing surveys and people in leadership roles I think 61% hadn't really felt kind of much change during um, the pandemic whereas as you went I suppose down the food chain which is an awful expression so I, I apologize for that but <laughs> to people I suppose less senior positions um, they were feeling it much worse and well-being was being impacted um, 40%, I can't remember where this came from, it was the US, I think, 40% people saying they felt burnt out. Um, and I think that, that a lot of this was happening. People who are not happy in their work or are concerned about it, they don't sleep as well, their well-being isn't as good. Um, and that kind of data was being picked up from one or two. I'm doing some research project around well-being at the moment. So I, I've seen some data from uh, well-being providers that showed of kind of that getting worse during the pandemic as well. So I suppose there are a lot of factors. Um, and... At times when um, everything around you is in a state of flux, then it's probably a time when you think, what do I really want out of life? And, and, and people are thinking in terms of the work they do, how they do it. So there is this kind of people wanting more remote working uh, or more hybrid working. So that I do have to counter by saying that, that there are two things to remember. One, I think certainly in the UK, it's only about 40%, I think it is, of jobs can be done from home. So the majority of the population who are employed uh, have jobs that they can't do at home. Um, research from Leesman, uh, which was uh, during the summer, found that of the home workers in the UK, only 41% had a dedicated room or office to work from. Um, and when they dug a little deeper for under 25s, 72% of them did not have a dedicated space to work from. And they're the people, particularly, say, flat sharers who are spending the day working in their bedroom and then at night sleeping in their office. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, a number of these kind of factors uh, need to be taken into account. It's not as simple as saying everybody wants to work from home, everybody wants hybrid, um, because for some people... Um, Again, I use an example you know, for my own family. My nephew is 30. He's single. He works in the city in finance. He couldn't wait to get back to the office. 
doesn't care about the community, listens to his podcasts and things, but he, he wanted to get back to it. He wanted to be around people. He's single. He, 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 mm. he wanted to interact with people, go out lunchtime, have a sandwich with someone. He wanted that kind of thing. His father, my brother-in-law, is older, also works in the city. He's enjoyed working from home. He doesn't miss the commute. He doesn't want to do that commute. Um, and so it, it's kind of, we've got not just age, but I suppose different perspectives, depending on where your life is, uh, depending on the stage of life, depending on everything else that's happening around it. Your social setup at home, absolutely. If you can, if you can have a social life at home, um, and in terms of that, and work in, in your own space, be able to get away from it, and be able to work productively without having to sit on your bed. Then I can see that that's it's much easier. So there's a kind of a two, there's almost a class thing there. There's a bit of a two tier thing, isn't there, in terms of things and yeah. people different stages in in their um, in their careers. So all of those I can see logical reasons why more people people might choose to change roles so not necessarily leave the workforce unless the retirement piece might change role I mean one of the other ones that occurred to me when you were saying about that coinciding with the end of furlough is the fact that during that period of time people were not necessarily recruiting at that time there's a big uncertainty about what jobs are there so I wonder whether or not there would be a normal you know range of people who were thinking of leaving jobs within that 12 to 18 month period that once we got to the end of the pandemic you know bar the fact that we never quite know whether we're at the end of it or not um whether or not they can go right now thank god you know everything's getting back to normal maybe i'm going to go on and do something different so it's almost like you had 18 months worth of resignations it would which would suggest there'd be a bit of a peak and then it might flatten and i mean that may be the thing so i suppose if in terms of our predictions for 2022 um and I realise predictions are a bit of a, a long shot in terms of that. It, would you see anything about the fact that it might flatten? Is there anything in the data that you've come across that it could have been a peak and people will settle down, you know, that's been thrust out from COVID and people, got, some go back into the workplace, assuming, of course, that businesses don't do anything to jeopardise it because it's a tricky scenario now where there are some people who would say yes but I don't want to be forced back into the office full time and I will leave if that is the case so businesses have got to sort of tread a line somewhere along that do you think it might just settle down um I suspect it will I think that the data um having a look at the ONS and the monthly um labor market statistics here um I think it is it, it, it is flattening. I, 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 I don't think that we're too far outside the norm. Um, I think there was this, this um, spike that happened, again, primarily in the US. Um, but again, it, 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 just thinking of something, when we say resignation, there are retirements in there. Those people, they're, they're, yes, they're resigning, but they're actually retiring. They're leaving work. Um, so it's not the great resignation makes it sound like the hype machine makes it sound like people are quitting you and going to work for a competitor because they're a better yes. place to work. And there are a lot of uh, vendors, analysts, people out there in the marketplace who obviously have vested interest in, in making companies or organizations feel that you're going to lose your best people to other companies because they are doing not good things you're not doing. They're treating the people better. They're giving them more development. They're giving them um, to tie it in with you. They're giving them greater opportunities for internal mobility and internal development. And, and, and um, so there is that belief. Um, so I think it, 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 we need to understand, and most of these things are done in hindsight, in a couple of years, there'll be some academic research yes. on, on 
what was the great resignation? And we'll see it was this kind of alignment with just people reacting to a what was a, a personal, very personal crisis over 18 months or so, uh, where uh, and, and, and just in different ways dealing with it. And you might find some people who are resigning because they want a different way of life come back to the first way of life in a year or so's time. Yeah, and, and actually just going back though to the retirement point, of course. So again, we can't really, the data can't tell us this yet, but it might be able to retrospectively. If if you're in the rat race and you think about the, uh, it's the whole sort of baby boomer retirement stage, isn't it, at the moment? So there are lots of people would have been in jobs that they've been doing the same thing and they may have gone on beyond retirement age because people have not been forced to retire. And then, um, you know, and, and that was all they ever knew. Then you have the pandemic and they're forced into a slightly different way of life. And you realise, actually, it's not so bad. <laughs> that, that, you know, it's, it's made that natural break. It's almost forced that decision. Whereas it might have been um, you know, being prolonging. They might have been prolonging it previously because it was what they knew. So that would be an interesting one to see. And I guess that we'd only be able to tell that by looking back and see whether a higher proportion of the people who left the workforce were in the retirement age and they did retire as opposed to, because the, the great resignation to my mind, and I think that's what you're making very clear here, is only really a thing if people are leaving one business and going to another, I'd say another primarily as a competitor um, mm. that's offering different benefits. Maybe if we explore in a moment, what might people, why might you do that? So if, for example, I work for a big company in the city, they're insisting I go back to the office. I now live up north or wherever and a better quality of life. They won't allow me to flexible work. So am I choosing to work somewhere else or work for myself in order to enable that? Um, that I can see that would be a COVID generated great resignation. But if I'm retiring because I've been putting it off and actually now I realise the time is right, or I'm uh, coming out of a job that I was doing tied me over during furlough. Uh, it, that that's different, isn't it? it I, I don't see those as the as the same in terms of that. So, but but putting them all together creates this groundswell where we can feel a bit dramatic about it and a potentially a, a level of hype. I mean, one of the other things, and I don't know that there is, of course, in places like uh, key workers. And I can see that there's been a huge amount of pressure on key workers. I was talking to someone in the NHS Trust yesterday and they're saying how many vacancies they have. Now, saying that, I know there would have been huge numbers of vacancies in NHS roles, in paramedics. Uh, there's lots of those prior to a pandemic. But when we look at the pressure that's been put on uh, medical staff and teaching staff, I can see why people might choose to change something there. And that's a real shame because it's a you know a training thing. Um, yeah. I don't know that's maybe again a bit anecdotal i don't know if you know anything or have a view on that theory I've, no I've, i personally got nothing specific on that um but i think obviously a number of people have taken up um roles within that so that's true it might that, balance out yeah so more people yeah retrained yeah, one of the well, one of the roles that, that my son because there's no acting is doing he's been a, a vaccine administrator uh in the nh two or three different hubs uh, and his girlfriend is also an act actress who has had some work um but she worked for test and tra track track and okay. trace so, yeah. so jobs have been created for yes. people who maybe were self-employed and can't do that job and yeah. and some would have it's interesting to me to have seen that um and again i i'm only going from my own perspective um younger people where they have had to find work have gravitated towards something that they see as useful so, you know, the NHS or, or doing something like that. 
And, and there, that is a link, isn't there, with, with people wanting to see purpose in what they do, that there's a, a, an idea that, that that's people in, gen, in, the, in the workplace, the younger generation, that is one of the things that's more important to them in terms of purpose and quality of life, potentially. So I suppose what, what our conclusions are, right or wrong, I mean, the data will tell us in, in a period of time, is that uh, perhaps it's not as dramatic as the headlines might say. There are lots of logical reasons as to why there would be a, a peak, uh, a blip. Um, also, I got, if, I, if I interrupt there one second, because just, I've just remembered, um, there was something in The Guardian a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, it was Randstad did a survey of 6,000 um, workers. And it, it, it was something like 69% of them uh, were feeling confident about changing jobs in the next few months and 24% within the next three three to six months. And that was used to fuel you know, the great resignation, almost one in four will change. And it's kind of, you know, and everything's linked to it, like burnout and this, that and the other. But, you know, there's there's no correlating data shown. Had you done, had they done that survey in 2018, the same time of year, uh, what would have been the outcome? Because the chances are my, my uh, experience from many years working recruitment in HR before what I do now is that people are always once we get into autumn are always thinking about changing jobs. Yes. Uh, it's kind of, you know, Chris, new year, new job. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, when the nights draw in, the weather gets worse. It's, oh, do I want to do this commute? Or, you know, there's lots of different things. It's kind of I'm going to be, you know, I'm being passed over from promotion or is is that my pay rise this year? It's about time I left. There's always been yes, that. Natural, natural, and it it's a natural peak. In, in autumn. So at the moment, that is now being badged as the great resignation. But we've not got comparative data as to whether or not it would have been there anyway two, three years ago. And just um, before we cats go on to um, briefly any ideas that we can do, which may be traditional engagement stuff in terms of preventing this, just some headlines on that. I just why do you think it's different in the States to here? Do they have less furlough? Why? Why? I mean, I know often we follow the States and things, but why is there a big difference in the States rather than the UK? Um, I think uh, furlough, uh, their furlough provisions were different. Um, it's interesting because there's uh, an article in the Atlantic today, which just came through just before I started talking to you. Um, and it was expanding myths. And yeah, one was about the great resignation is about quitting. It's not about quitting. It's about kind of, you know, it's, it's moving. It's not, it's people retiring. It's, it's different things happening. Um, it's about white collar burnout. And they're saying it isn't. Um, it's kind of, you know, it, it, for lower wage workers and, and pe- people in more, what we'd say, blue collar jobs and stuff, it's very, you know, burnout is something that, that people in the knowledge and professional sectors talk about. Um, Everyone else is just exhausted. Yes. <laughs> Anthony Klotz, professor at Texas A&M, whatever that is, he was the one who coined the expression in May. Um, I've now found that out. Who's that uh, again? And Andy Klotz? Uh, Anthony Klotz. He's Anthony a Klotz. US professor. Texas, um, he talked about his, his prediction for the coming year was a mass exodus from the workforce. Um, so, I mean, it, it's kind of, it, it's, yeah. Was it a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy? Yes, <laughs> yeah. about the, it? I think in the US, it, it is slightly different. You know, furlough and stuff is a bit different. Um, and I think that there is a, a different approach to these things. Whereas here... Um, I, th- I think we're always talking about it, 
um, you know, it's, as I said, I, we've we've both worked in organisations in the past where we've had colleagues who every year they kind of like, now I'm leaving. No, that's the end of end of this year. I'm gone, uh, yeah. and I say year after year. Um, so it, it, it's. I think it's something that, that that happens, but because of a number of external factors, it looks like it's a it's a wave. It looks like an out, you know, it it looks like a trend, and whether it's an outlier and we go back to normal, or whether it's a trend where the the labour market, the job market, becomes a lot more fluid um, in future, uh, we we don't know yet. But I think US does tend to, and and amplify these uh, because but again I, the, the, I'm not an expert on US employment but, but other than the kind of trends I know from um, kind of recruitment HR but to do with social security and that kind of thing and and, and the safety net and, 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 and furlough and stuff I don't I think it was uh, I don't think it was as generous shall we say yeah okay so so thank you for that I think that's a, a useful almost sort of putting in perspective this great um, resignation concept and we'll see what happens in 2022. Just briefly, uh, Mervyn, because I may well get you back on in future to talk in more detail about this. You've got a new book coming out um, in March, Digital Talents. And I just wondered whether there were a few themes, which are more general themes about uh, retaining talent in this more digital age and the way things moved on that might be worth people thinking about in terms of takeaways in relation to minimizing your great resignation i appreciate you didn't write your book in company you know directly around that but are there any key themes that you could whet the appetite with that are useful for people to think about yeah no i'm happy to do that you're you're right it wasn't i mean we started writing the book uh 2019 and then for personal reasons both myself and matt had to put a pause and of course by the time we started writing again the pandemic had happened um, so had we originally we were publishing the book in December 2019 had we done that then it would have been out of date within three months <laughs> uh, having said that we haven't written the post-covid playbook um, and that makes uh, it more relevant longer term right because we don't want everything yeah, to be yeah, pre- yeah. post-covid do we so it's a bit more yeah. longevity it's very research-based isn't it I've been lucky enough to have had a bit of a sneak preview oh, yes yes um, and um, I suppose yeah, it's understanding the, the it's understanding two or three things. So I suppose the first thing is about digital transformation. Um, we are constantly um, digitizing different parts of our business, re-digitizing, changing suppliers for this, changing, changing vendor for our learning platform and that kind of stuff. Uh, every time we do that, it's a change for our, our employees. So yeah, a digital transformation is an organizational change. And we, we, as with any organizational change, we need to support our employees through that change. They haven't asked for the change. They haven't said we want a new learning platform. Or they might have done. They might be complaining about the previous one. Uh, but in mean the they main, want a new one, though, quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of, you know, nobody, as far as I'm aware, and we did some focus groups on stuff, you know, nobody said, you know what, I want my, my reclaiming of expenses. I want all, I want all digitally done. And I want it to, you know, I, do, I don't even know if it's gone into my pay slip or not. I'll just, you know, kind of lucky dip, hit or miss. Um, you know, it's kind of, I can't stand writing out a pay slip, getting it signed, giving it over and seeing it kind of back in my pay slip when it's refunded. Um, and it's that such a small, I use that a few times because it's such a small thing. And most people don't have to reclaim expenses. I know that. But it's such a small thing. And yet it, it's because it's a small thing, it really causes angst amongst employees. 
Um, and there is, I quote, different pieces of research about this kind of uh, the work that we've put by, by digitizing processes, the work that we've put onto the, the, the backs of our employees, the stuff that used to get done by, by the organization is now being done by them. Um, and so there's little things like that. But in terms of that's not actually what, what you asked me about. So there's a little plug there. So I can one. see a link there with um, is that if it's changed, we don't support people through it. And actually, if we are going to be more of a hybrid environment, we do need more systems and processes. Right? Manual stuff doesn't work so much. We need to be able to do things online and, and do your expenses or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, digitally and if people are struggling to pick that up and to to manage that then they need the support to go through it so i see that's that's my link there i see there (laughs) yeah yeah of course and and you know if we do go into this very hybrid working with with, uh, people working from home you know what we don't want to end up is 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 a kind of oh no sorry no that's got nothing to do with you that's only for the people in the office that's not for the ones who work from home that kind of um, I think that it's the digital talent experience. It's understanding the, the kind of seamless, intuitive nature of how people live their lives. Um, personally, you know, if, whether they're shopping online, whether they're, they're, they're accessing music, whether they're accessing entertainment on Netflix or whatever, people have expectations of their digital experience. Everything is seamless. Everything is kind of done for them. Uh, it flows um they don't you know they don't subscribe to netflix and have to wait 7 14 days to hear back an email saying yes we're we're happy to take you as a subscriber or no reapply next year resubscribe next yeah. year um, everything happens seamlessly yeah. and that we, we bring them into the workplace we we hire them through this uh, uh hiring process where nothing is seamless and nothing is intuitive where yeah, they don't hear back. You know, if you haven't heard back by six weeks, assume we didn't want to interview you again kind of thing almost. Um, there is no communication. There's no interaction. Um, and so we need to understand that the, 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 the way we recruit, the way, the way we hire, the way we develop has to kind of mirror how people want to live their lives. Um, and, you know, the, the, it's there, the technology is there for people to know instantly whether or not they're a good match for a job, to do an interview, particularly an asynchronous interview, or particularly the, the uh, I suppose, the conversational interviews through text that are being done now, and, and to get feedback within minutes, half an hour. You know, this is, this is the feedback. This is, you know, even if it's you're not quite right because of this, or, or just some action points where you might find this useful, you know, so you, you're giving them information to take maybe onto another application or where they might need to address in a later stage. It's just It's just keeping people informed, uh, it is, which is the expectation. It's this kind of consumerism, isn't it, I guess? Because uh, we, like you say, we're all used to in our home lives having technology that is, which is personalized for us, which is consumer driven, um, which you know, going to be a Netflix example or whatever, where it's actually linked, it has feedback linked to what we, we do. And, and one of the things that struck me about, and I know you talked about employer brand before, and linking this maybe to where we are in this hybrid environment and, and retaining people, you talk in the book about whether or not high, how can HR remain relevant almost. And, and I suppose anecdotally, my observation, and maybe this is where we'll leave it, I suppose, in terms of thought, food for thought is that the psychological contract has potentially changed and it's more about the employee has more power and they expect more. So the brand has to be correct. The experience when we are going for a job there and, and you know, and 
uh, the recruitment process, as you're saying, if we don't have that good experience, then we might not, if we are experienced with great resignation, we might find it even harder to refill those roles unless we have something that's a little bit more up to date and, and modern. And often HR is the poor relation in terms of the systems. I always think, you know, if I go into an organization, the first place finance and sales are the first ones to have the great technology, but HR tends to be a bit of a, a laggard in what they are. So this whole concept of digital talent makes us think that we need to think about our, our systems as well from an HR perspective to make sure that they they do as justice, I suppose, and, and keep people and when they want to apply. Definitely. And to understand, I suppose, the transparency. So there's quite a bit, there's a leadership chapter. Uh, we're talking about transparent governance uh, is that it's much more open than it used to be. And people, again, you know, if there is, you know, I won't give out names of uh, um, uh, big organisations, but, but uh, employees discuss these things. So if you've got an organization, you can rest assured there are a number of private Facebook groups, there are a number of private WhatsApp chats yeah. going on all day, every week, every month, every year, between your employees saying, I can't believe what so-and-so's done. Have you seen that? You know, what's this new initiative? What are we doing do, doing that? You know, all that stuff. Uh and it's yeah, out there, exploring. isn't it? Yes. You know, even the big ones, Apple, there was something, I'm not saying anything that's not known. It was in the press a couple of months ago, a website where ex-employees are trying to get other ex-employees who don't like the way they were treated to, to, to put some kind of action together. All this kind of stuff is now transparent. And it, it's, you know, they can see, they can see, you know, I mean, we've got a situation where getting political where, you know, a key government advisor published private WhatsApp conversations with the prime minister earlier this year. Now, okay, there were agendas there, but you know what? You know, a senior manager can leave a business and do the same thing. Absolutely. Go into a private Facebook group of employees and say, look, I shouldn't do this, but what the hell? Um, this is the conversation I had with the CEO last month. Yes, yeah. and, and, and at, time of, at time of recording this, there's um, other stuff out, isn't there? It's political stuff out there about people videos yes, yes, that yes. are being caught, which you don't want to go down. Again, so. again, that's all kind of, you know, it, 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 there is a transparency to everything that happens now, uh, which might not be obvious, um, but, I mean, it, it, it's, it's there. And yes. it, it's, it's kind of, I think organisations need to adapt because this is what people expect. Uh, you know, they have concerns, yes, about work, yes, about their well-being, yes, about their finances, but they have environmental, sociological concerns as well that they want to see addressed. So thank you very much, Mervyn. So we, we've, we've, we talked to, we came to talk about the great resignation. Is it a thing or not? Is it hype? I think we've gone hmm, somewhere in between. There's lots of legitimate reasons for it um, yes. and whether it's going to continue or not. Maybe it's a peak uh, in terms of, of, of this. Um, we've reflected on some of the differences in generations and experiences that people have got in the workplace and then we've moved on a little bit really to the whole idea of uh, what digital talent looks like and how I suppose if we want to be strategic about retaining people in our organisations and um, planning for the future and in terms of attracting talent and retaining it then some of the ideas there and people want to look out for your book which is out I think March is it on Kogan Third Page? Third of March, Third of Kogan, March Page. Kogan Page. Digital talent. Digital talent, so they can go and find out more about that there. As ever, thank you so much for joining me, Mervyn. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. inviting me. It's always great to have Mervyn on the podcast. He is a font of knowledge, and I highly recommend you look out for his new book coming out in March. 
So I just wanted to let you know that as we start 2022, we've got a whole raft of new open training programs going. We're continuing to run our hybrid manager program. It's so important uh, to get those manager skills up as retain people as we continue to work in a hybrid environment. Uh, change Superhero, we're all dealing with change. That's aimed at internal uh, people who are managing or leading change. And it's been a real popular one over the last 18 months. And we have a brand new training program called Impact and Influence aimed at high potentials, that group of people who really might have missed out on development over the last two, three years due to the pandemic, but you know they've got lots of skills for the future. So they're the talent that we want to retain. If you want to send people on open programmes, then come to the website and you'll be able to see how to access the um, open programmes and when they're running. Obviously, if you're trying to build a sort of internal level of belonging and camaraderie, training can also be something really useful to run internally. So if you want us to come and run courses for you, we do run internal consultancy, internal training programs as well, if you've got the numbers to make up a cohort. So if you'd like to consider that, do get in touch. I'd be more than happy to discuss your needs and uh, see whether we can help. Thank you. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.